so here we are on the bonus round with uh, Jordan Gaysier. So, hey, I got your last name right. So, Nailed it. I, you know what? It's always fun. So my last name's Swiston, but most people pronounce it nothing but that. And half the people get my first name wrong. So I had to tease you with yours earlier. So, but Jordan, I really appreciated where we were going with this. You're a, you're a planning colleague, somebody that's going into the nursing profession. So you're building on your career here. And we were talking about kind of the social determinants of health, kind of the trans trans connection here between kind of COVID and how it's bringing up a lot of other things, including the social determinants of health. And then you left us, darn you, with a really good tease. That's why I knew I was going to bring you back for a bonus round anyways, but that just, that, that this is like the cream on top of the milk here. I tell Loving you, it. So, so you talked about, you know, I challenge listeners, and here we are in the podcast direct version of Civically Speaking, um, that airs on CFCR, 90.5 FM in Saskatoon, but broadcast worldwide, which is super cool to say. We always say it's our world broadcasting headquarters here on the Third okay. Avenue in, in Saskatoon, but we go all over the place because we're talking about issues that can apply to almost anywhere in the world, in my opinion. You challenged us. Okay, remind the listeners of what your challenge was. Okay, so I want you to find the top 10 causes of death in your jurisdiction. You'll probably only be able to find it till uh, 2018, 2017 in some places, maybe 2019 in some places. Um, and then think to yourself, and I mean, this is, this is homework, so it, you, know, you don't have to be a statistician and nobody's going to hold you to it, but challenge yourself to think about the ways that your, the, the way your community is built and how that impacts um, the, the top 10 causes of death. Okay, so, so I did it. Ha! But you're right. Glad. Well, I went and looked at the top 10 causes of death in Canada, leading causes of death. Okay. Yep. So you're right. It's not easy to find any stats on death. I, I should know this because I'm always looking at stats pretty much on a day-to-day -day basis for our work. But right. I'm always fascinated by like when you said you could kind of find stuff up until 2018, 2019. So explain that first for, for listeners. There could be some budding, budding statisticians out there. Do you know why? I haven't the foggiest idea. I no. think um, for, for, for us, so of course we're in Saskatchewan, Canada. So for us, um, it probably just takes two, two years for uh, Stats Canada to collect all the information and process it correctly. And then I assume that they have to go through some kind of vetting process to make sure, I mean, if you have uh, the symptom of more than one disease when you're in a hospital setting, um, they have to decide what goes on the form. Um, but I assume that there's some kind of uh, uh, statistical modeling that accounts for that at some level but i i mean i honestly have no idea couldn't, couldn't well, that, tell you. we'll go with that we'll go with that that's a good answer sure that's a good answer. So <laughs> thank you sometimes it just takes time to validate so uh that is a good one and i mean then the stats come from all over the place right health data comes out of hospital data verified yeah. by this verified by that and of course people don't just die in hospitals they don't just die that but they're linked somehow back to the health institutes for the most part we hope yeah. Yeah. So you would have coroner data. You would have coroner data and and uh, hospital data and all kinds. Yeah. 
Yeah, so. exactly. Okay, so when I looked up Canada, and you said, think about if it goes back to kind of the design of your community. You said that. Right. Okay. Well, I did. Yeah, which is kind of intriguing because just in Canada alone, okay, for those that were the geeks and they went, did their homework after that, then they came back to this podcast because we're pre-recorded the day before I start to air these things or a couple days before. Okay, yeah. number four on the ranking of leading causes of death in Canada is accidents accidents yeah and that would be pr primarily be motor vehicle accidents mm -hmm. but it's interesting because the number one two and three are cancer first heart yeah. disease second and cerebrovascular diseases three and then goes on to being yeah. four then after that chronic lower respiratory diseases flu and pneumonia number six interesting seven diabetes eight alzheimer's disease nine suicide ten kidney diseases and this just so folks are knowing where i'm getting this from because there are different sources this is just coming off of stats canada's latest kind of mortality rates but they've been kind of pooled over the last two three years it looks like so it's kind of an amalgam of somebody doing a meta crawler on this Okay, your thoughts. You asked the question. Well, so uh, I I would really hope that uh, your listeners would have kind of looked into this and thought thought about this for themselves a little bit before I give my thoughts because um, this is an experiment. We're experimenting, so we're yeah. still at the uh, hypothetical level here. Yeah. And um, by all means, if someone knows a better answer please get a hold of me i've been i've been kicking this ball around for a little while but i'm not talking about it like with great demographics so um the first thing that i think about is is access to food and uh, access to exercise so um if you exercise you're less likely to have a stroke you're less likely to have heart disease so uh the cerebrovascular disease that you talked about that yeah. that includes uh strokes and other um vascular blockages yeah. um, and a great way to kind of prevent that is to walk around more and sit yeah. less um yeah. it's not the only way and if you have those problems see a doctor don't you know get your health advice from this podcast um but you know exercise helps that uh chronic lower res uh, respiratory disease yeah. so um i know that there's some data that comes out of um some research i've been looking at and uh do you have links i'd like to get you a link but i'd have to double check it um where uh, if people bike to work on a regular basis, they can lower <laughs> lower their chances of certain respiratory and certain heart diseases. Um, so, uh, and then influenza and pneumonia gets back to what we were talking about. Um, well, maybe not pneumonia so much, but influenza would get back to what we were talking about where it comes to uh, what the design of your house and the impact of your house, your community looks like. Um, and you know uh, when when and how people get together um i mean really you could make an argument that kind of all of these have maybe not direct uh, community design implications but have 
direct or indirect community design implications. And especially if you bring in not just our exercise and our social mental health, but if you bring in food access, um, I mean, uh, many of these, of course, deal with diet as well as, as uh, activity levels. And so if it is out of your price range or uh, affordability, or if you, you know, have to take a cab every time because you are unable to drive um, and the transit is unreasonable and the grocery store is too far from your house, um, you, you know, you either get the, the corner store nachos uh, or a $4 apple, or um, you might maybe make it out once a month or every, you know, six weeks to a grocery store where you can actually access uh, um, low calorie, high nutrient food. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I, I mean, it depends what we're thinking about when we think about design uh, and, and community design. Um, and then all of this is underpinned by the fact that if you can't access healthcare when you need healthcare, uh, whether that's preventative healthcare, where knowledgeable people will tell you how to how to deal with issues before they become um, overwrought, uh, or um, uh, you know how to cope with chronic diseases in a way that is that is um, that prevents exacerbations or if you can't go to a hospital when you need to access um, hospital care I mean <laughs> these things of course um, they they exacerbate each other and they play into each other and um, uh, I, I just think of the point that um, on just this one facet of our life, our health, uh, everything that we build is going to impact uh, this um, part of us and the way and location that we choose to live is going to have this impact. So we might think that COVID is challenging (laughs) our way of life and our our urban design, Um, but I would argue that we have been well challenged for a long time, whether we've been paying attention to that or not. No, that's a good point. And I mean, I really appreciate that because I think that, you know, the, the argument sometimes is sometimes it takes something to, to wake us up to what's going on already around us. So I think that's what you're hitting on, right? Is that absolutely when I I see suicide hitting the top 10 list, that's telling of, of, you know, some systemic issues right there, because that's, you know, to say that there's, that's a hardwired fact that is uncontrollable or unchangeable, I think would be a mistake to say that on that alone. Agreed. I do think to that that point, though, we do have to be careful. Um, Part of the reason that this list looks the way it does Mm. is we've become very good at fighting other types of diseases that might you know in the wild whatever that means uh be likelier so i mean part of the reason that uh heart disease and stroke are leading causes of death and cancer is leading leading cause of death um 
is good in the sense that you're more likely to get those when you're older. Now, I'm not saying that I celebrate when older people get these diseases. I'm saying I celebrate that we're living long enough to get these diseases, uh, as opposed to dying of young people's disease uh, more often. And Mm -hmm. so um, in some ways, the, the list that we have in front of us is a credit to um, no, definitely. I understand what you're saying. Uh, a, a lot of great things, and we should be thankful for it. Yeah. Um, but uh, we can also, we can. I guess what I, I guess the point is not so much that we're likely to change this list. It's that if we build our communities properly and we exercise well and we eat well, um, we can change how the things that are likely to end our lives uh, when that happens and um, how abrupt it is when it happens um, and you know how, how old we are when that happens to us that I think is a more likely scenario than um, changing these numbers significantly in the next few years so let's go there though so what does that look like so when we start talking about if we think about you know, the way that we live in our communities and what we're living with or how, you know, you talk about food and you talk about exercise. So I think there's a lot of municipalities out there that might argue, I think we're doing a pretty damn good job. We've got our parks, we've got our rec centers, you know, we try to give passes to people that are underprivileged, to use the words of the, you know, the kind of main, mainstream language, you know, um, yeah, we've got food banks. If you need that, there's emergency shelters. <laughs> if you need that, like, aren't, aren't we doing this? Uh, you know, I think a lot of communities would say we're doing a great job, and mm-hmm. I, I think I would agree. I mean, there's a lot, like, there, there is something to be said about the fact that this isn't all doom and gloom, yeah. and um, that part of the reason that you and I hit our head against brick walls every day is or maybe every week is that life is already pretty good for a lot of people in Canada and it can be better for a lot of people in Canada and I hope that I get to be part of working towards that um, as both a nurse and as a community planner Uh, but it's I mean there's a diminishing uh, return on investment when it comes to, you know, how good we can make a, a person's life reasonably. Um, life is pretty good for a lot of people, thankfully. And, um, you know, sometimes I think that the answer to a lot of our problems is remembering to be grateful. Uh, if you're stuck in traffic, it's because you and all of the people around you can afford a vehicle and can afford the fuel Mm -hmm. to sit in a traffic jam and I mean I don't know if that's necessarily the best use of of resources or not but I do know like it it, you require a certain level of wealth in both time and treasure to be able to do that (laughs) and so I think we would all rather be doing something other than sitting in a hunk of metal stuck uh but it is you know um a sign of our privilege that we're able to sit in a hunk of metal stuck uh 
and also there are options <laughs> so you know i mean we're we're making choices that lead to that direction so i i would agree with the communities that say that they're doing a lot and i'm not advocating for necessarily radical interventions for sort of your daily your your average individual um i think for most people it's um it's thinking about what their priorities are and where their priorities are i mean how much of how much of your planning work and maybe you can answer this one uh it, how much of your planning work is just how then shall we live like here we are <laughs> we've got these crazy cities that um are so efficient in in their resource production that uh despite all of the political mumbo jumbo we throw at them continue to <laughs> to give us great places to live and continue to make to make us uh far and away the richest civilization in history um a lot of a lot of the things that we need to do aren't actually problems <laughs> they're the result of a lot of good things happening uh all at once and our job is to figure out how to identify and maintain that um and maybe you know for all i know that's a job for our spiritual leaders not a job for our politicians uh to lead us into gratitude to lead us into thankfulness to greet it lead us into um how to how to treat our neighbors with respect and um especially as our neighbors begin to look different and believe different things which i welcome um but i need to know ways personally to uh to to welcome them and um what you know whether they've lived there their whole life or whether they moved in yesterday and whether they moved in from um a, a, a war-torn country or another relatively rich country or the farm or another part of town um how can i be a good neighbor <laughs> and, and i mean I, I i'm really appreciating this jordan because i think that I think what what I'm hearing in you, I think, is something that a lot of us maybe don't talk about as much as we could be in any profession, to be honest, or career or job or whatever you want to call that thing that we do to try to get some <laughs> income or whatever. Right. It's that thing we do, whether it's brings well, or not, too. I got of course, you're, discussion you're, <laughs> your, your listeners won't know this, but I would say this has been sort of a... a defining characteristic of our ongoing conversation mm -hmm. and it might have uh six or eight eight month gaps in it but yeah. um and then we always promise that we'll talk more and then we never do for some reason but that's just the nature of of uh of meeting at conferences i guess <laughs> um you know and here we're having this dialogue which i'm really thankful for um but yeah i mean uh like i I'm trying to develop the courage to say that my life is actually pretty good. Thank yeah. you. And um I I'm happy to have a better life whatever a better life means. But I also want to dedicate a portion of my time and a portion of my wealth and uh, a portion of my talents um to making the lives of others better and not just better how I see it but better how they see it. and that requires you know dialogue and listening um which thankfully uh uh both 
the nursing profession and the planning profession aim to uh, excel in. And that doesn't make it easier and it doesn't mean that I'm great at it, but uh, I'm trying. <laughs> so. Well, I appreciate what you're saying, Jordan, but I, and I think it's not a but, it's an and, but I think you hit on something that I'm gonna touch on here from an intimacy thing. And I did reach out to you, so in defense, we are having a conversation. It is continuing. I love it. I love that's, it. That's the part, and we're doing it. We're sharing this. Yeah. You know, but it's it's like somebody, you know, pick your coffee up, guys, or your gin, or whatever you're having, or that nice healthy glass of water. Hopefully, it's a healthy glass of water. But you're 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 picking up on something that I think often gets missed, and it's that some of the happiest people in some of the happiest communities aren't the ones that are the wealthiest, aren't the ones that have all the best toys, aren't the ones that have everything, all the solutions for that. It's where people feel, um, you know, at peace, where they feel love, where they feel mm -hmm. Absolutely. safe, yeah. and where they feel yeah. where there is something, and you hit on it, spiritual. And I mean, I'll go there on a show like Civically Speaking, because I think and I've had um, spiritual leaders on the show, formal spiritual leaders and non-formal. I've had both. You know, and the conversations that we've had about is, you know, it's kind of like how I lead my own life is do good. You know, just do good, be good. You know, simple. Very, very simple mantra. Just do good, be good, you know. And right. in, in that sense, it's just, you know, like you say, be a, be a good neighbor. Yeah. Have well, in terms, of, in terms of the spiritual, and I'm not, in any way formally trained in this, but it strikes me that in the, you know, typical Judeo-Christian uh, um, tradition, uh, God founded us in the city, sorry, founded us in the garden, but at the end, he finds us in the city. And um, I mean, we are, we are quickly becoming an urban creature. And uh, that doesn't necessarily mean cities of hundreds of thousands or even tens of thousands. Um, uh, Florence in, you know, Medici's Renaissance, Florence was 70,000 people. So <laughs> if, if you have 70,000 people in your town, you have enough to have uh, the kickoff for the new enlightenment. So don't worry about the size of your population. Um, but, we, you know, we are, we are a communal species. and uh, right now, that looks like houses, and that looks like apartments, and um, we're all changing what the office looks like. I mean, who knows what an office is going to look like uh, 18 months from now, whether whether any of us will bother to even go. Um, so this is all changeable, and I think, like you say, both our formal and our informal spiritual leaders are are often much better guides through that um than <laughs> than you know whatever <laughs> political <laughs> political uh uh and procedural and professional reports we we hope to have um or or purport to have um and so you know that that's fine uh but i you know i appreciate what you're saying and i think I think we agree. Yeah, I think so too. And I, you know, I think that, you know, other words that come to mind, like you said, is we're communal, we're community minded, you know, and COVID also 
shines a light on that is that you can be socially distant, but not really socially distant at the same time, right? Is that the connectivity can come in different ways like we are right now online. But there's also the craving for that interpersonal, you know, face-to-face -face human touch, which I think nursing brings probably to you, you know. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I mean, and that's the, the, the intimacy of, the intimacy of exchanges that happens between people is something that is a gift when you can give that, you know, whether it's a touch, a care, treatment or whatever. I mean, I think that we all, that's part of being healthy on that, on that scale, as well as on the larger institutional. While you were talking, I had an image going through my mind is that it, in, in a lot of work that's done out there in community, it's easy on the bricks and mortar part to destruct something or take it apart or do that. But when we start to think about deconstructing institutions and governance systems, it's not so, you know, it takes a heck of a lot of machinery and craning and all that sort of stuff. And if we could, you know, see them in an image of real form, we would just see how complex we've made some of these scaffolding and these buildings are like high rises into eternity, right? And but the fact of the matter is, is you can deconstruct them and sometimes COVID amplifies the fact that you can do that. You know, it becomes a point in time, just like cholera was back when we looked at health in a different way. And we looked at it in a way of how we can bring about better health within the urban environment as opposed to making people sicker. And so, you know, that was really what that was then. And now it's a reminder almost to us about, hey, you know, what are those things that bring us health, good health, you know? And again, it came back, it comes back to exercising well, eating home cooked meals, having enough sleep, having enough sleep, keeping connected to your family and your friends and, yeah. being, and being kind to each other, even Absolutely. when you feel like you're going to go ballistic when you're sharing, you know, whatever frame of house or, or not, you know, whatever your circumstances are. So right. I really appreciate that because I think, that's the that's the sometimes approach that gets missed in a lot of what we do as humans is that we're so busy doing that we forget to think about how we're doing the do and why we're doing the do. Agreed. Yeah. I no. I I agree on all of that. And um, <laughs> yeah. By all means, if if I what I try and remind myself is that if I'm ever setting out to make a change. Uh, whether professionally or not, and I'm not making that change in kindness, then I, it's probably better to just not make that change. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, there are um, wise wise stories from uh, every tradition that I've ever heard and every culture that I've ever heard uh, that try and remind us <laughs> and try and bring us back in to these, you know, higher orders of gratitude and kindness um, and even like thoughtfulness that you're talking about with the institutions that we build. Um, and I suppose the reason that they do that is because the wise men and women of those cultures knew how easy it was to stray from that. Um, but uh, I think I think we're all better <laughs> to remind ourselves, um, no matter how rich we are, uh, 
it's you know it's a, a conversation like this that makes us that makes our lives worth living it's not yeah. money in a bank um and once you've sort of met your day-to-day needs uh you're set <laughs> you don't need more <laughs> and so i'm not that i'm great at living that way but um but again i'm dedicated and committed to trying to live that way and so yeah. Well, I appreciate that. You know what? We're going to leave it there. Great. It's a good thank you. Place to leave it. It's a place to leave it on kindness. So thank you, Jordan Gazier, for coming on the show and joining Thanks for having me. I'm your host, Lenore Swiston. This has been Civically Speaking on the podcast version of CFCR.ca. Be safe out there, everybody. Love somebody. Be safe. Thanks for having me. You betcha. <laughs> Bye.